An idea born out of Monday morning chats at the coffee machine. In this series, we chat to our guests about their going out experiences and how it shaped them. Join us, Pippa and Georgia, team members at Skiddle who love going out and miss chatting about it. Welcome to episode five of the Going Out podcast. Today we were joined by Danielle Moore of Crazy P, front woman, performer, DJ. And we had such a good conversation, didn't we, about the first going out experiences. Mm-hmm. And meeting all the bandmates and the club scene, the yeah. after parties. And uh, starting to go on the road in a little minivan. <laughs> and yeah being the support act for huge people like faithless mm-hmm. um and doing tours in australia and new zealand and how that's led into such a long and amazing career really beautiful conversation about the nostalgia that comes with going out so we hope you enjoy <laughs> welcome to the podcast danielle Moore. thank you hello. hello welcome it's lovely to have you Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Oh, uh, crazy pre front woman and DJ. Um, we're going to dive into your um, going out experiences. Um, so let's kick things off by starting at the very beginning. Um, are you are, are you Manchester based? Have you have your experiences always like your first experience has been Manchester based? Yeah, very definitely. I mean, I was uh, kind of lived in north north manchester so uh bordering berry really and um i I suppose my first experiences were there was a weird club in radcliffe which is where i'm actually from um which is am i allowed to swear yeah (laughs) i won't swear loads it's also known as dog shit valley it's 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 not it's not one of the best places in this but it's it's home and uh, there was a weird little club which was kind of up by the reservoir and uh, it was called benny's and it was like it was open till six in the morning or seven in the morning and the reason it was was because it used to serve breakfast and um it was like a soul club and i remember um i think the first time i went i i was probably 14 15 um and it was like a real kind of nervous but brilliant feeling of like you know kind of remembering your birth date of birth which was all made up just like you can't go overboard um and uh the it, it was such incredible music and it was a bit like a shit version of club tropicana so as you were walking up towards the club you could hear the music getting louder and louder and uh the club inside was like all mirrored walls, so it used to get really sweaty and steam up the mirrors. And people used to write things on the mirrors like, you're nice. <laughs> but who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really bad. Uh, but that, that that was like an over 18s club. So um, the kind of feeling of being there, but all I wanted to do was dance. I loved music, um, but that really was the only club close to me. And then, um, you know, the, the the real kind of the real proper clubs were going on in town in Manchester, and uh, so I was lucky to have that on the doorstep. Um, and what kind of music uh, were you listening to back then? Obviously, that was just uh, popular, but what what kind of artists were you listening? To? So, um, Chic, Sister Sledge. Alexandro Neil, Luther Van Dross, that kind of like a bit more accessible um, 
soul music, but also there used to be a pirate radio uh, st- station, which was Sunset 102, I think it was. And then I think it became like a, I don't know whether it's legal or just whether it gets a, a, its own kind of FM stream. And um, I used to just about be able to tune into that because of where I lived. And it was broadcast from central Manchester, but it, it'd be a really shitty like reception. But I still got it. And yeah, and uh, it kind of made it a bit more special, really. But they used to play loads of like alternative soul music, um, which, um, you know, I think the guy who presented one of the shows, oh God, I wish I could remember his name, but I'm sure it began with an L and he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a Manchester institution. So I'm, I'm sorry that I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, he'd play some wicked soul music um, and I used to tape it because that's what you used to do, you see. You used to kind of like put your tape recorder next to the speaker and tape it. Um, so that was kind of my introduction to that kind of music where I lived they were my kind of limitations yeah until I kind of was allowed to go into town on my own and then things changed where, like when you went to out in Manchester it was like you never looked back was it one of them like, or did you still go to kind of the club in Radcliffe definitely not <laughs> I definitely yeah I definitely went um I mean a lot of it was to do with the people that I was hanging about with as well so my kind of peer group because where I went to school was Presswich which was a little bit closer to town yeah. and I used to have to get like a train there um and I used to play a lot of sport as well so my mum and dad were quite strict with me really they didn't kind of like me to wander too far stay out too late they always, they were strict with me um, so when I kind of got to 17, I suppose I went a little bit bonkers, <laughs> but I wasn't this a, a little bit, I, did, I wasn't disrespectful, but I just wanted to explore. Yeah. And one of the teams, the netball teams that I played for was based in Moss Side. And, um, there was like, it was a real kind of like, um, British Jamaican team and they were all in heavily into their soul music and one of my friends who played for the team Nicole she kind of took me under her wing and took me into town and we went to places like Apple Jacks and um, I know we went to the Man Alive Club and all these various places that I just was like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and um, made one of the biggest mistakes dress sense wise which was to to wear a white bra under a black dress. And when I got in, there was like UVA lights. Oh. So so my bra just <laughs> exploded through. <laughs> so, yeah, but that was, um, I think because of it's like stuff that you all learning curves, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was, it was because of the people I was hanging about with then as well that introduced me to this broader, you know, option of, of dancing. It was great. Yeah. And how how did that then transition into you wanting to pursue music? What what was your like was it were your inspirations the artists that you were listening to and the clubs that you were going to or I think it was I think music was always there with me, but it's just that I wasn't um I didn't I, I'd never got an opportunity really to have a play an instrument. Played recorder, but that's awful. Um I know why is the instrument that everyone learns in school, the recorder. I suppose nice. <laughs> yeah. And it's just awful awful. You used to have to blow all the spit out and stuff. Yeah. And it's right. It's just really. it's not it's not a piano, is it? Yeah. You know, so, um 
so I always used to kind of do things like when my auntie came round, I'd say, can I sing you a song? And I, but I'd hide behind the door because I was embarrassed. But I'd always want to do it. And so I think there was a little bit of a performer in me, although there wasn't like a, 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 a practised musician. And then I think always just want to dance. So when we went out to clubs, um, I just not, they couldn't get me off the dance floor. I was just always dancing. And um, then... I started to buy records and collect music. Um, It became a really kind of big thing. And I wasn't kind of like a, I wouldn't say that I was a a vinyl uh, aficionado or I didn't kind of like, I wasn't really geeky about it, but I really enjoyed listening to music and playing. And then I saved up to buy some decks and um, when people kind of came back to our house after hours, I'd always be like, right, <laughs> I couldn't wait to get on the decks yeah. and mm-hmm. just play. You know, not I didn't I didn't necessarily want to kind of mix or show off. I just wanted to play my music. Um, so that's really where it, it started. And it, 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 after party hours, I'd always be singing at the top of my voice, but not to draw attention to myself, far from it, just because I was dead excited. Um, and I think, well, I know that is where I met the guys out the band. Um, so what was that, on one night? Or yeah, tell us across more Across a series. Yeah. yeah, well, so I used to go to a club and your mum and dad did as well, Pippa. Or it's about the yeah. <laughs> um, so there was a few clubs after um, my first experience at Hacienda and the Man Alive and the Boardwalk and uh, the venue all around that area where the Hacienda was on Whitworth Street. There were so many places to go, and um, you know that that feeling of meeting like-minded people what am I going to eat that's not going to you know make my breath smell or you know let rip on the dance floor you know what what kind of you know need something kind of substantial but not too heavy and um what am I going to wear right how much money have I got what time are we meeting all that it was such a process during the day you'd get you know and you'd ring each other up and you know it it, it was a it, it was a such a, a a big thing and then so after that primary kind of experience, then the next kind of club nights were Robo Disco, um, Planet K, and uh, the electric chair was my go-to, uh, which was monthly. And it started um, at um, the Roadhouse, and then it moved to um, the one next to Jilly's Rockwell, which was the Music Box, which is now a Tesco. Oh. <laughs> yeah um it's not not done it justice at all yeah. but so we we used to go to electric chair and um i remember if i didn't have anyone to go with before i met the crew which is where i met the guys yeah. uh, i used to stand at the back and i remember borrowing a pair of my stepdad's trousers because i was into like wearing like kind of baggy trousers and then like a little t-shirt because i knew i was going to sweat so just like yeah and and he had these wicked pair of like baggy pinstripe navy blue trousers and i danced that much i sweat that much that they shrunk (laughs) and um i had to cut them at the bottoms to to get them off (laughs) um and um sweat that (laughs) yeah and i met 
serious sweating. <laughs> um, it could be a problem. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. But um, so, and then I remember that night because of that, and I was like, oh bloody hell! I met a girl called Anna Davenport. And she knew all the kind of crew that led me to meet the guys. And we'd kind of go back to after parties and stuff and they knew them and someone else knew somebody else. And a girl called Anna Tutton, she was going out with a guy called Tim at the time. And Tim used to play. I moved into their her house, shared house. Tim used to play, play bass with two other guys, yeah. Toddy and Jim. And Toddy and Jim had started a band, Crazy Penis. <laughs> and um, then they used to kind of like, I used to hang out with them and I'd be dancing when they were DJing and stuff. And then they caught me singing at the top of my voice, doing Shirley Bassey impressions. And they were like, do you sing? And I was like, mm, yeah. And they said, do you want to come for an audition with the band? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> And then the next day I thought, shit, what have I said? I can't, I'm not a singer. Um, but went round to their house and we had a jam. And for whatever reason, it just clicked. Yeah. And um, and, I, and I was, af- after that, I was really, really nervous about the whole thing because once you, once you kind of, sometimes once you kind of told that, right, you're in and that's what you're doing and this is your responsibility... You kind of start to overthink it, yeah. And um, it, it, it's kind of been a real roller coaster of a ride, but such a brilliant opportunity that came from a really organic, yeah, meeting. Um, you know, it's it, it's just been so, so fantastic. It's amazing to hear that your kind of experiences of going out led you to this amazing career kind of thing just because you're mixing with them kind of like-minded people that like brilliant things kind of come out of it yeah absolutely and it is something that I think in in kind of my 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 kind of 20s and 30s particularly my 30s late 20s 30s there's there's so many beautiful opportunities and experiences to be had that are absolutely priceless and invaluable. And it's whether it's a conversation that you have about something you've never spoken about before in your life. And yet, you know, speaking to someone, it invigorates an emotion or whatever. It inspires you to do something you've never tried before. And these can all be things that come from just going out and having these experiences with other like-minded people that you don't necessarily meet when you go to a nine-to-five job or because you're not in that frame of mind to experience things. Yeah. You're there to work. You're there to work, really. Yeah. Um, and there's a different kind of peacocking that goes on at work. I've worked in some corporate jobs, and I've been very lucky to work at, at Adidas and yeah. sports companies at head office and have a brilliant, you know, work opportunity. But there's a certain kind of peacocking that goes on there and there's a certain kind of peacocking that goes on when you go out, yeah. and the peacocking that is there when you go out is much more fun. <laughs> yeah, um, I, and and much more beautiful and wonderful and funny and people like um, yeah, more honest. they become like yeah, yeah, yeah more honest. Yeah, I think there's a lot exactly of bravado and perhaps maybe arrogance or even insecurity at work, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, corporate job, and you see some of those people 
in like on a dance floor and they let loose and you're like oh you're not as stuffy as you came (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly that's that that's that's exactly it it's like can you hear that keep going off no 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 it's all right it's all right then it's just me (laughs) um yeah I think that's it it's like I think once you get on a dance floor, once you hear music, it can release certain stress, tensions, whatever. And there's there's something really beautiful about expressing yourself through dance or through music. There's something very unique to me anyway. And I know it doesn't impact everyone in the same way. I really, really do miss. And it's it's really interesting that 2020 has meant that I can't perform. Yeah. I've probably had about six gigs since March. But actually being with people, meeting people, that whole kind of process that I was saying you go through of what you're going to eat, what time you're going to meet, you know. I forgot about that. Like, you know, like if you're going on like a big night, the nerves and excitement yeah, that comes with I, it and you get like butterflies. I'm always like that. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. That. That's yeah. That all year. Oh, yeah. Excitement to see your friends. Yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't know what kind of people you're going to meet when you're out. And then everyone kind of comes together and you're in a crowd and you yeah. have that atmosphere and it's yeah. it's like something you can't really compare. You cannot replicate that. Yeah. You can't. And you, you can't kind of quantify... Um, you, can't, you can't quantify the feeling that you get from that because it is... It, it is to do with vibes yeah. and it is to do with, you know, if, if, someone's, if someone's in a mood and they're just like oh, do you know what, I can't be asked coming out. And you go, come on, you know what, you might feel better. And they're like, no, I won't. 90% of the time, I bet you could get them out. Yeah. And and they could. Best nights as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you just push it a little bit more. I mean, one of the big things that I've, and you've probably heard this before, but one of the big changes was mobile phones, which was when I first started going out, you made an arrangement you couldn't you couldn't drop out last minute yeah. because if you'd said to someone right I'll meet you by the corner um of the, where the pub is blah 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 eight o'clock you couldn't text which we've done we've all done where we've gone oh I feel a bit mm, you know um, so I'm not coming then turn your phone off yeah. <laughs> you, you can't you couldn't do that then you kind of had to be there yeah. And so you had to push yourself through. And quite often, like you said, Pippa, you had the best nights when you did do that. Whereas sometimes if you just, you know, you send a text message last night, I can't be bothered going out, it's a bit cold, it's a bit, oh, do you know what, I'm really poorly, turn your phone off. And then you end up sitting in watching Strictly. Yeah. It's like, not. I love Strictly. (laughs) Does it really compare though? No. No, it doesn't. What um, what other changes did you see with the introduction of like mobile phones? Like, because people have have got kind of polarizing view about um, people recording shows and stuff. Like, does that does that bother you, or are you more of like you should be in the moment, or d- don't you mind people yeah. capturing it on the phone? Um, I suppose a little a, mi- a mixture of the two. I mean, I think I think being in the moment is everything. I really do. It's like if I I've started kind of going for a walk every day and along the canal, and um, and sometimes I want to take pictures because it's like oh that looks beautiful or you know. And sometimes I've gone out and said right today if you're going to take pictures you're going to take pictures of things that are really shit. <laughs> you're not going to constantly look for the sun rays. You know, yeah, you're yeah. going you're going to take pictures of like 
a pile of rubbish and you're going to do an alternative yeah, scenic, poo. the dog poo. <laughs> and um, so, but when I've not had my phone with me and I've just walked, it's the most beautiful experience and you're in it and it's just in your head. And I think to answer your question, I think that maybe from a personal perspective, if you're not distracted by your phone, there's something very wonderful about just totally being consumed by the music and dancing or whether it's a live gig just just letting it be yeah um but i but i've also been sent some really wicked photographs where someone's just captured something um I was telling Pippa on the way here that one of my friends friends went to a crazy pee gig and he was he was like screaming that stop space return and you were doing it you were doing it right back at him he was like he was like literally screaming at the top of his voice and she sent it she sent it to me and my other friend it's like it's it's like the such a good video yeah yeah yeah. just so like intense in it yeah yeah because that's like capturing the moment yeah like being in it yeah it's just so happy to be like at the front yeah 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 part of it all but then yeah I think like this year like not it's not really often that you take videos you look back at them and but like this year I think it has come in like really handy that I've had videos from nights out because it's the way that you you obviously you can reminisce from memories or whatever but oh it's It's been been a bit bit bittersweet because you watch them and then you're like oh I'm so happy I was there but then you feel sad because you can't do that right now but yeah, you're, so. to- you're totally right. You're totally right. And that's why it's 50-50. It's like, I, d- I, don't, I don't mind, you know, and, and there is a real brilliant thing, like your friend's friend who got down the front, had that, you know, inter- interaction and recorded it. Yeah. And, you know, there is something really wonderful about looking back on things. Yeah. There really is. And I think, this year we've had we've needed to do that i've i've looked back at a lot and reminisced and you know like i've i made um two photo albums like a couple of years ago because we, we always look through photos on our phone or on our laptop there's something really nice about getting a cup of tea and a piece of cake and getting the photo album out and going and just sitting there and folding physically pages and it does you know it does bring some wonderful stories to mind. Yeah. Um, and it can ju- it's just an image. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you know. And and we do need that now. So, you know, there's been a there's a lot there's been a lot of streaming um of, of live gigs. I know Machine Murphy did one which was brilliant. Yeah. And um, you know, there's been a lot of various charity stuff as well. And and I and I think that the digital things have been really important yeah have you Um, any yourself over this time yeah we did um in may we did a sound system so me kind of singing over our own stuff and um kind of mixing it up with some djing but all our own stuff for i think it was united we stream and it was um uh yeah that was in may and then we did oh postman um (laughs) <laughs> and then we did um uh i, I did something for a, a cancer research charity and uh 
we've done a few <laughs> basically we've done we've done a few um have you found them at, like obviously you probably haven't got as much out of it as you would a live performance but has it filled a bit of that space definitely yeah. definitely like the first one we did me and toddy i'd not driven for since march and then it, it was it was the end of may and we drove up to manchester and i live in birmingham now so yeah. um getting in the car I was like oh my god I've forgotten how to drive and but then once I got on the motorway I was like arms arm out the window doing that in the wind and you know yeah uh music up there loud it felt like freedom yeah and then I picked, picked Toddy up and we kind of went up there and we were met by all the kind of guys who were running it and they were all totally you know proper masked up and it was all very really well organized yeah. and it was just us kind of performing to two camera people wow and then the the the, the guys that were doing the um the, the technical side of stuff um like those intimate performances that they were getting yeah, yeah. it was a really intimate and i, I the, the, th the one thing that i kept doing wrong was they were saying well, you just keep still because I, I didn't want you to dive all over the place. And they were like, we've got a spotlight on you and we've not got any lighting engineers. So you just need to keep still. I was like, all right, all right, okay. <laughs> um, but it was just just performing, really, you know. I, done, we've done um, we've done some performances to like in, in big venues where they've had to pull back the capacity. Yeah. In fact, we did one in Brighton on Sunday and it, it was like a 700 capacity venue. Um, and there was 160 people, which was sold out. Yeah. But they were all kind of at tables or table service. Yeah. They weren't allowed. To, yeah, they weren't allowed to dance. Uh -huh. They weren't. Uh, you know, they, they, they couldn't. I mean, they were all kind of upper body raving. Yeah. Um, That's but kind of impossible, isn't it, to be listening to that kind of music and just being told not to dance and just being like that. Yeah. Every natural instinct. Yeah. Very, very difficult. And and I just think, and we of course we did the one at the Albert Hall in Manchester just before the second lockdown, and uh, that was a full live thing. The problem with that was you've got so many variables with COVID. With yeah, or if if someone comes into contact with someone out the band, and they get a phone call, then they can't come to rehearsals. So it's it's a bit different than DJing because they're just one of you. Yeah, and um, you can kind of cut down the risks a lot, but. That gig that we did at the Albert Hall, just looking at all the, the sound people, the roadies, the, you know, the lighting technician, they were just so overwhelmed to be there. Yeah. And it made me feel really emotional um, and I've really missed it. Miss travelling. Travelling has been just another thing that I've just, again, meeting people, you know, you, you forget that part of the nerves and the anticipation of meeting someone new is what makes you grow as a person you know it's how you handle yourself it's how you present yourself it's how you if you are in a bit of a you make the effort and you feel better for doing it it's like you know i've actually missed the late nights and i mean i, ha I have i think <laughs> but you know where you turn up in mexico and you've had like a 14 hour journey and then you've got four hours and they say, oh, just get some sleep. And you're like, but I'm not tired anymore. And then you've got the show. I, I kind of miss that. And the adrenaline. 
the adrenaline exactly yeah. the adrenaline yeah Any, like what what you actually miss in 2020 because when I when I think about what I miss about a night out I've started to miss you know that when you've been kicked out of a club and like you're waiting for a taxi and then you're just chatting to your mates and you're all like a bit like tipsy and you're laughing and joking I used to dread waiting for a taxi on the night out you know just like, yeah cold. and now I'm like I would love to be yeah. stood on a random road in Manchester waiting for it yeah which is so that weird to say it is but that, that that's it though because I actually I was saying to Toddy the things that I kind of used to moan about which I kind of would I probably would moan about again but I've actually missed that bit like oh you know going through like Oh, we're going through security at an airport again and then walking through duty-free and going, oh, you know, they're always trying to buy, get you to buy something. I missed saying that. I missed, I missed having that or oh, packing the bag and what am I going to wear? Am I going to look good in that when I get to Mexico? Yeah. You know, or am I going to look good in that and feel good in that when I get to Australia? You know, and just all the rubbish bits are like, yeah, I want, I want, I want them as well. Yeah, totally. yeah. I wouldn't get rid of them because they're what actually make the whole thing. Yeah, imagine you have... queuing at a bar and then when your favourite song comes on oh. and you're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm get my drink really quick, yeah. and get back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like. Yeah. I miss. I oh, think. yeah. What miss... exactly? Yeah, that's a good one. That's what a really good them? one like your adrenaline and what were your like first experiences like when you did like your first performances as a band where where were they and what were they, what were they like so the first gig was a place in um i think it's called hern hill which is just outside of brixton and uh, it was a, a dj called morris fulton and it was the full life band and um i was shitting it <laughs> i was really nervous once kind of the first two we'd done the first two songs I was fine but I really had um I had quite a delicate voice when we first started I mean I still kind of do but I've got a little bit more um confident about what I can do rather than what I can't do and that's been that's been a big thing is it it, it, right okay you can't do that you're never going to be Aretha Franklin or you're never going to be a massive singer but what can you do right let's work with that and let's ram it up um so the first kind of few years I was on a bit of a roller coaster confidence wise and I think one time I actually performed backwards So yeah, so yeah, I kept I kept turning around and going, oh, I can't look at you, which was ridiculous. <laughs> and I got I got there eventually. Yeah. Um. But so we played we played this first gig there, and then a bit of a turning point was we went on this tour of Australia with um. It was a festival tour, and there was like loads of different bands on the lineup, and we were on about two in the afternoon, so we were right down the bill. Which was great, and this was about two thousand and three, two thousand and four, I think it was actually. And um, top of the bill were Maloko, so Rasheen Murphy was like, you know, and this was their last year together as a band. It was their kind of swan song, and um, their we used to wait around, and by the time their show came on, we'd like had this adrenaline high, and we were all squiffy and hanging out, and come on, let's go and see Maloko. And it was hot weather, you know, we were feeling good and uh, younger, and um, 
we were just like overwhelmed by their performance and we learned so much from them. You know, we kind of, the way to perform, the way to engage the crowd, that the crowd are as important as anyone on stage. And if you can make that connection with the crowd, they've paid to see you. They're hanging on your every word. If you make a mistake, you know, it's like, oh, you bet, oh, you know, oh. So you know, actually hit a bum no or whatever. But if you can kind of do that with confidence, yeah, and kind of like style it out, people are hooked still. That they 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 know that you're in charge, and that kind of two way connection is so important. And that's what I learned on that tour. And we just had such a brilliant time. We were very, very lucky. Um, It was when like the English pound was really strong against the Australian dollar. So we used to get like $15 to spend all day on like PDs, which is, you know, for your food and stuff. And uh, we used to just like get rat assed (laughs) and uh, get really nice bottles of wine. And we'd get some nice like Asian food is brilliant over there um and then we'd be raving again and but yeah so that was a turning point for us was watching Maloko and then after that we got um asked to support a band called Faithless yeah on their stadium tour which was 2005 yeah so we we which is what usually happens is you might you would pay to go on tour with a band as a support band so you just pay for all your expenses but because they came to us i don't know why that's crazy. but that's yeah they came to us so we got, kind of got our expenses paid for and we just had this like um experience of playing like the uh, i think it was called the gmx uh, no no it was the arena manchester arena yeah. and uh, uh brixton academy three nights we played the secc hull ice rink <laughs> We, you know, we played the NEC, um, which we would never have had an opportunity to do. Yeah. As Crazy P. And um, so we kind of stepped out and that, I think then we went into fifth gear then and we were like, right, this is a platform for us to kind of start to really express ourselves. And, 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 And it's kind of been, it's still growing. We've still got a lot to to kind of learn um but we're kind of really ready to do it you know we're really kind of ready to just let let go a little bit more and experiment yeah um, I like seeing faithless like so I, times. I watched their you know when it was glastonbury week this year and they played all the old old like oh, videos yeah. and stuff yeah yeah faithless one and i was like oh yeah. my god i was like to be there i yeah. think i would have cried i was like crying at the crowd is so important in that as well because yeah. they're just like yeah it's always the case like i feel like my dad is is a big kind of push of it oh it, it's not like this this it, back in our day it was so <laughs> you know, crowds in the 90s it, you, you 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 do see more like oomph i think yeah especially the glasgow ones yeah, I think I may maybe that is to do with mobile phones. I don't know. I haven't worked it out yet because I have to say we've been really, really lucky. And on the last tour we did, which was last year for our album, yeah, it's twenty twenty, and it? yeah, it was twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's right. Um, I know this year doesn't even feel like it's happened. No, it's not a year, is it? Like, it's not. Is it's twenty twenty one yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just been like a jelly of a year, yeah. just wobbly. Yeah. Um, 
So like last year, we were really, really, really surprised by how young the crowd, our crowd was because we've got an older kind of authentic you know, original kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, because we've been going for 20 yeah. odd years. Yeah. But there was a really young crowd and we were like, this is the tits. <laughs> this is brilliant. This is, you know, we were just buzzing. Um, but yeah, the faithless thing, they were like, you know, it's it, it, it's not necessarily the kind of music I'd listen to naturally. But wow, like their performance um and all the kind of the 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 whole machine of that like the roadies are there till seven in the morning taking all the set piece you know all the set design down they're they're making sure everything gets put in the right boxes they've got like rolling wardrobes of clothes you know the 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 sound check-in they're all there at you know three in the afternoon um there's a, there's a massive process and they're all on the tour bus, you know, and it's such an operation. So it's not it's not just about the people on stage. It's about everybody that contributes to that backstage as well. But as soon as like they do one song, which is um, I should know what it's called, but it's I can't get yeah. no sleep. Yeah. And there's like it. And then it goes. <laughs> and. It's that, I mean, you feel like you're going to shake your pants. It's yeah. that kind of like, <laughs> it's that loud. And it's like, do, 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 do. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like, that's yeah. the bit where I was like crying yeah. at the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it was wicked. Yeah. Uh, we felt, you know, we felt really lucky. Uh, but yeah, we, we kind of were traveling around in like a really uh, duffed up minibus and then they roll up in, you know, like they're gold-plated tours. <laughs> but, it's, you know, it's part of the growth, I suppose. Yeah, part yeah. of the process. What, what was, like, touring like? Did you all just get about in this, like, little minivan? Um, yeah. Yeah. And and when we first started, um, we used to sleep in it too. And, and we used to put a mattress in the back and um, it it was hell. <laughs> uh, but we were kind of young enough. I mean, I was probably, you know, touching 30, 31, uh, in the, right at the start. And um, it was like the lads snored. They were lads, um, you know, and I was like, oh, God. And then getting out and kind of like going to perform. And it, it wasn't the best, but we didn't, we weren't getting paid enough money to to have an option. Yeah. And, and that's kind of just the way it is. And you get on with it and... There's elements of that that are really fun as well, you know, because you you feel like you when you do get to a point where you're you've you know you, you you've got a bit more money that you deserve it because you've worked for it and yeah. that you have done without and you know I was working in a shoe shop I was working at Ticketmaster I was working at blooming uh, I did a bit of cleaning you know um, I can't remember I thought about something else I did last night and I thought oh blooming heck I forgot I did that. And it was all really just because I had to make the money up to enable me to have this job that I loved. Um, so any, like I say, any any monies that you then start to make or any, if you're in a nice hotel that you get booked into, you're just like, do you know what? I feel like I kind of deserve this now because I've really roughed it in the back of a van yeah. and slept next to two lads who snore. And uh, I've, got a fe- I've got a feeling the postman's going to come. 
yeah do you mind if i just i'm just gonna walk i'm gonna walk to the door with you <laughs> go ahead. Uh, right here we go ask, won't be a minute ask him if he's got any going out experience like <laughs> <laughs> hi i'm just on a zoom call oh, so i'm not being rude yeah would you just mind putting them just there for me that's brilliant thank you oh wonderful hi thank you Sorry about that. The sides of working from home. I know. I know, I know. I'm having everything like online delivered. Our postman, <laughs> I was like walking down our road bit the other day and the postman was like, hi Pippa, I've got a parcel for you. Should I leave it at your back door? I didn't, know, I didn't know I was ordering that much for us to be on like first term yeah. basis. Well, that's well. This is like this is all my husband who does all the online stuff. He's so much more organised than me, and it's just like every single day. I'm like, it's a good job I work from home, isn't it, Jimmy? <laughs> no. So yeah. Um, but yeah, postman's great. Yeah, I should have asked. Him, I should have asked him, shouldn't I? <laughs> what was going out? Thing. Tell him to listen yeah. to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. In there. <laughs> yeah. Where should we go from it? I'm like, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. So we were talk- talking about faithless and the. Yeah. What's the? Tra- how? What's the difference between doing the DJ shows and the more like live shows with the full band? Yeah. What? What? What's that like? Having the team kind of thing. Um. Incredibly different. Like, I think. The DJ shows I love and it's and it's really kind of um for me it's important that I kind of have that because that's where I started was DJing and um and also um I, you know playing other people's music is really it's really good and I, and I I enjoy dancing myself so it's um I like being in the smaller clubs um when we're with the band which I as I would say is my preference yeah. because we're playing our own stuff and it's a team of people that I absolutely love dearly and um, being with the lads um, and we've got a brilliant team, um, Annie and uh, uh, the, the Hattie and Z who work with her. They're just, we have got the best team we've ever had now. And um, that is such a wonderful experience being part of a team and making sure each other's all right and kind of watching someone get uh, quite scruffy and seeing how they behave and having to rein them back in a little bit and looking after each other and going through all the growing up shit that you go through um, and also the, the nerves that kick in when, it's your own, when you're playing your own stuff. And obviously there's a lot more work involved because you've got the stage has to be laid out, it's setting your own instruments up, it's sound checking, which can last sometimes three hours. So it, it's there's a, there's a big commitment there with the live stuff. Um, DJing is a bit more instant and um, you can kind of, it, it's a different kind of high. It really is. It's very hard to explain, but um, it, it, it feels, I don't know, weirdly it feels a little bit more, ego fulfilling DJing even though with the band I I come away feeling more I definitely come away feeling a lot more satisfied yeah personally because um it's an expression it's an extension of a person side of your personality that you don't really get to express a lot yeah Hmm. do you think Um, it's like that feeling you get when you used to have people back at your house where you put your own music on and it's like now, it's even like now when 
I steal the Orcs lead at a party. <laughs> when I do, like, when I put a good tune on and everyone's like, this is sick. Yeah. I feel that, like, gratification for, like, my choice in a song, like, making yeah. the atmosphere and the mood change. I suppose that is that similar to, like, DJing if you drop, like, if there's a drop in a song or, or you put something on that's maybe a proper crowd pleaser or something like that and everyone's cheering. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've been fortunate enough, like, with, with DJing, um, the, the, the band has travelled a lot, but D, with DJing I've travelled so much more. And I think taking music that you've played in one place and taking it abroad somewhere else very different to see how mu- music affects different audiences in a different way um, is really wonderful. Like you say, you can drop a tune. You can drop a tune in one place and they're like, yeah, it's all right. And you can drop some, and they're like, yeah. And you get a feeling for how, what what kind of music they want to hear. Um, and uh, it, it, it's wicked. But yeah, DJing's enabled me to experiment with music. And there's, there's a really wicked feeling if you get it right. Uh, but you could play the same set in two different places one place it works one place it doesn't and that's a bit like oh god i played all my best tunes tonight and they didn't quite get it and it it is so much to do with the vibe and there's so many elements to it so many layers that kind of contribute to it being a good night whatever it is yeah and it's 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 a fine fine combination we posted something about amelie lens didn't we where it was like she watches the people on before her to try and get a feel for the she crowd the before crowd, yeah. she makes her choices. Yeah, because I was going to say, how do how do you assess that? Like, is it kind of when you're in the set and you're like, I've got to change, I've got to change it up here. I've got to, like they want different <laughs> things, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think definitely, but I, I think I think there's an amount of it's a really difficult one because I think you there's an you've got you've got to apply an amount of well, I've been booked to play as me. And so I can only be honest to what I like yeah. and I have to kind of pre, pre-plan something, even if you've got all your new tunes, you've got some old tunes, you've got stuff that you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to play that one. And you're going to play it in kind of what I usually do is I'll pick, say, three lots of tunes that I, can, I know will mix into each other and then the rest I'll kind of like make make and go along I'll have an idea of what I'm going to play um I think sometimes you can get too affected by the crowd and and start to panic a little bit and play stuff that you might not play and you're like oh no I'm losing I'm losing kind of track of what I'm doing but um it is important to 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 to, to reflect on the crowd definitely yeah what have been like your top tier like favorite gigs that you've ever done or is it easy i mean it's probably not easy to choose but well that australia tour was magnificent i think i got a water gun out i mean it's you know it's just like i started like almost like turned into an animal on stage because I felt that much freedom um, by the end of the tour. I just felt like we'd really tapped into something. Um, and um, we, 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 we'd, we'd, we'd worked so hard in the tour. We had to do one, one kind of stint of gigs, which was we played, I think it was a playground weekend, uh, something like that, which was kind of just outside of Sydney. Then we had to go overnight to play another gig which was in 
outside of Melbourne somewhere. Then we had to get an overnight flight to New Zealand to play a gig there. And then we had to fly back. And I remember we had like so little sleep and we then had to fly to Perth and, um, they lost my bag on the plane, so I had nothing to wear, and I had to borrow something, and I'd had no sleep, and I was just like, "Oh God!" And I borrowed this outfit off this girl, and I jumped, I jumped off a speaker, and it just ripped her right up the bum. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, I just carried on, of course I did. But um, that that series of gigs was so just brilliant. We played to like. 20,000 people at one of the gigs and we were like this is what we're doing <laughs> you know you, I wanted to get my mum on the phone and like oh but she didn't have a phone but um so that one was amazing and we there used to be a festival called the big chill which was in uh the Malvern Hills near a place called Ledbury east I can't remember I'm gonna get it wrong Eastern Castle, maybe. Anyway, that was like a, a, a festival that we went to year after year after year. And uh, it was something very, very beautiful about it, where it was, the people that went, the music lineup was brilliant. It was very, very gentle, but late night as well. And we got asked to play on the castle stage, the last on the last gig, and loads of people turn up. And they, all, they, were, they had like these lanterns that they were letting off and um there was just like a real buzz that was in 2006 i think or 2007 and then more recently have to say last year last year's tour there's a handful of gigs i could pull out manchester was amazing dublin was absolutely incredible it was like we were in a zoo of people they were just like it was just non-stop screaming just like we were like, oh my god, this is amazing! Um, and Glastonbury last year was out of this world. Yeah, it was. You know, they ran out of water. It was that hot on site, um, and we played live at Glastonbury, and it was like I just wanted to crowd surf, but I was scared of splitting my outfit. <laughs> I learned that lesson from the past. I saw you last year at Gala Fest, and you brought that big sign out um (laughs) yeah like it said something about boris maybe well it was the song the song was about boris yeah it was it's called we will fuck you up (laughs) and that's what it said on the sign yeah yeah remember what it said on the sign and i was like yeah that's the one say something too pleasant i remember that (laughs) that was was it unfortunately (laughs) yeah Um, it's like getting like politics and stuff like that into your songs like important like is there any plans to something about kind of how this year has happened in your songs when we were writing the out the last album, Age of the Ego, um, was two thousand and sixteen, I think, or two thousand and seventeen. Can't remember. I should know. Um, and we went to Gotwood uh, Estate uh, in February of that year, and uh, so Gotwood they have a festival there, but we kind of. We we know them really well, and they let us book it out. And we used the barn as the studio. We set all the stuff up, and we did, we 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 did all the writing for the album there. And um, that was Brexit time, and it was so prevalent in the news. And I felt so strongly about my political views at that point, and I felt very strongly about 
the kind of grassroots movement that was important to connect people. And even if you weren't politically minded, I felt like there was a coming together of people that kind of made you think about the more subtle things where we've got to look out for each other, we've got to support each other. Community is everything. Community is essential. And um, what Brexit for me was doing on a, on a very simplistic level, because I'm not overly politically minded, although I do have strong political views, which sounds weird. I'm not an expert in in the, 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 the business side of Brexit, whatever, but I do know people who have businesses and I do know how it was polarising opinion and things that I didn't, that didn't make me feel comfortable as a person started to poke through and they were becoming subject matters for Brexit. And I felt like people were being misguided and manipulated and that I couldn't I couldn't not write about it. It wasn't even a conscious thing. It was more subconscious because the the the, the words just fell out. It was like it was almost like a Tourette's. It was like they just were there. And um so that album is 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 very different because most of the songs that I write are from an emotional perspective. Um because that's really what fuels me, I suppose, is emotion. But this, I was just, like, really angry and really upset and, like, you know, the We Will Fuck You Up song, which is what it's actually called, is absolutely about Brexit. It's about um, the manipulation, in my opinion, of course, it doesn't make me right, um, about what I was hearing and feeling and reading and I, I didn't like it. Yeah. It made me feel incredibly uncomfortable. And there's a power in that. There's a like when you say there's a sense of community, like I feel like if you're watching a performer, especially at a festival and there's like an issue raised, you kind of feel like connected to everyone because you're all similarly if you're going to a certain festival you kind of have the same views anyway as like most people in that audience yeah there is like a kind of unity about it like bringing you together because you're like yeah we're all together against this like one issue kind of thing absolutely yeah you, you that that's that's it yeah you kind of you know and again that's another thing with going out you tend to kind of be drawn to places that make you feel comfortable and it's a sense that it's a vibe you you know that someone is it's almost like an unspoken thing sometimes as well you just feel comfortable that you're in an environment where you you feel that you can be who you are because you know that people have got a similar mindset to you and it might not be exactly the same but then that's good because you can debate and you can talk about things but you feel comfortable doing it with these people but yeah that that's the thing I think last year there was you know even though the album was written a couple of years before we got to take it on tour um, people knew what it was about and they were like yeah and uh Again, I was just like, oh, actually, we played one gig in, um, what's it called? Um, It's in Yorkshire and it is like one of the kind of uh, wealthy um, York. (laughs) 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 So I knew, I was going to say it's the the main, you know, it's the capital town of Yorkshire, if you like, York. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that gig in York it was like a community centre 
And it was like, you know, York's not necessarily renowned for being like a city of, you know, a a city of music. But this community centre, oh, my God, it went off. I think the fire alarms went off because it was so hot. It was like it was like everyone just left sweating. Um, But once you started sweating, you couldn't stop. It was amazing. So, again, they got the message. And like I say, it, it wasn't I didn't we didn't go out to write a political album. But it felt right. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's hard not to comment on it as well, especially during like the Brexit kind of era or whatever, when it was all kind of, it was everywhere. So it's hard to ignore and not put that into your music. Yeah, and I think a lot of I think a lot of uh, songwriters this year will probably have touched somewhere upon an emotional kind of, about isolation or about some kind of, you know, because it's not been a nice time. It's really not been a nice time for... A lot of people I know, um, some who've fallen right through the net of financial support and some who just have been really lonely. And it's, you know, um, so I think a lot of music will come out. Some people find it really hard to write. I've not found it dead easy, but I'm getting there now. And then other people have written about how they felt really kind of down. Yeah. And it's an expression and it's good. Yeah. So, so Yeah. Yeah. Should we wow. ask the question? Let's ask the question. Oh, God. So we ask every every person that we interview on the podcast uh, one question. It sounds like it's going to be really, really hard. Oh! It's a, really, it's a bit of an obvious question, really. But okay. um, if you could go out with anyone, anywhere, in a non-COVID world, dead or alive, where would you go and who would you go with? Oh, God. I mean... I'd love to go out with Prince. Um, I'd just be, I'd just, I, I'm, I mean, having said that, so I'd love to go out with Prince and I'd love to go out in New York. I love New York and I know that he would take me to the coolest place. Yeah, in, f- in fact, I'd, 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 I'd let him just take me anywhere. Um, I, I'd just say, just Prince, just do, just do it. But, and having said that, me and my sister went to watch Prince in 2004 at the Manchester Apollo, believe it or not. And it was like this one-off thing that he did in 2004 where he played the Apollo, which is relatively small for Prince. Yeah. We were six rows from the front. Me and my sister went dressed in purple. And he went, right, come on, I need some dancers. And my sister just pulled me. We ran to the front and I just shit myself. <laughs> I just went, I can't do it. I can't do it. And she went, do not do this to me. <laughs> Uh, I, was, I can't I can't so Prince but I'd have to get over my but we're talking about a fantastical situation anyway aren't yeah, we yeah. so and you're a, I, you're a full performer now yeah. so yeah you're right you're right confidence, I reckon <laughs> if you went out with Prince now yeah. absolutely yeah and I know he'd I know he'd look after me exactly that's so it yeah I'd love to know what what Prince would do where where he would take you <laughs> absolutely I think I think he'd take me somewhere. Somewhere I want. I'd want it to be quite small and intimate. And I'd just I'd just say, Prince, just dance for me, please, yeah. in your heels. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's where it. Would, uh, oh great. That's answer. it. Would be, yeah. Amazing yeah. Answer. Oh well, thanks so much. Um, I feel like we could just talk for hours. Yeah, but definitely. That... Oh, I will. I will ask actually. What are your plans for next year oh, then? Yeah. Well, it it looks like our diary. 
our calendar from this year um, has literally been lifted and put to next year. So hopefully, hopefully, because I think I think Glastonbury are gonna leave it till March to find to to actually decide work out if they're gonna do it, if they can do it, because they they can't leave it any later. So we've got hopefully that. Um, there's a festival in Croatia called Love International and Defected do something there as well. So we've been booked for both. Um, we've got various little festivals going on as well. Um, and we've got um, another album tour, which is going to be next November. Um, so we, we should really be starting playing again in March. Fingers crossed. It's just really a case of playing everything by ear. And um, we hope to get some more music out pretty soon because we're doing some writing as well at the minute oh exciting well, so yeah uh, we'll come and see you at Glastonbury because yeah. we both got tickets yeah oh my god is it the first time you've been no yeah. I went um, I went the last time it was on for the first time and I, my head fell off yeah. the whole time what in a good way oh yeah amazing yeah. <laughs> like, I was I don't think I mean me and well a few of us had been from work and on the Wednesday we came back into work and we put all the like the sets and stuff from like BBC on the TV and like I couldn't oh. focus because I was just so sad all day but like oh, in, oh, in, yeah. in the best way where you're like I can't believe the week I've just had and I've just gone back to like normal that, life. That's a bit because you can like re-watch a lot of the sets that you've seen so like the fact that you can look back and just be like oh. I was there but, but yeah so I, it- I can't wait to just I think because it was the first time I was a bit like nervous and I didn't really understand like oh well I thought it was way bigger than what it was and it actually is like quite easy to get around it's just like yeah, takes a, there is a lot while. of ground like if I go next year that'll be my third time and my first and my second experience were complete like were completely different because my first one I was so adamant that I wasn't going to miss anything like yeah. I needed to be everywhere at any time. yeah and yeah and the second time I was a bit more like yeah I think I'm going to settle into it <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. Just, like, just take it all just take it all in. Like I think I was a bit nervous last time, but this time I'm just gonna absorb everything that I can and, oh, God. and not, it's good and as just, yeah. It's good as well just to sometimes like just have a little wonder and just like see what you stumble across. Uh, set you you know, set your plans. Yeah. But if you if you don't if you don't sit it's alright. Just have a wonder. Amazing stuff happening, isn't there? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. We'll so yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep fingers crossed. Then. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fine. Thank you for joining. Yeah. Us. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes. See you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Going Out podcast with Skiddle. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you hear this podcast. Thank you. <laughs>